Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth have a postcard here to share with you from Arizona. So this is from my my good friend, Tim McKee. Tim, thanks for thinking about me. It's been a long time uh, since we've been together, uh, but appreciate your friendship and your willingness to share this card on vacation. Uh, Tim is from Pennsylvania, but he shares this beautiful postcard from Scottsdale, Arizona. Not far, I don't know if you knew this, Tim, but not far from my son, Caleb, who serves at a church in Buckeye, Arizona. So kind of cool. We're in Mark chapter 14, and I want you to look at verse number 32. Jesus has left the upper room. Uh, He has entered the Garden of Gethsemane, and things are about to heat up. And we learn a lot in Mark 14 about the Garden of Gethsemane, specifically about Peter and the failures of Peter. We're going to see Peter fail and fail and fail again in the garden and beyond. And what I find interesting is that Peter was the one that gave the primary source information to Mark for the writing of the gospel. Now, obviously, we we understand the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, but the Holy Spirit uses people, and he uses a process. And the process by which the Holy Spirit gave the Scripture here was uh, Peter relaying things to Mark, who wrote these things down under inspiration for you and me to read now these a couple thousand years later. So look at verse number 32, where the Bible says, and they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. So I think I mentioned this before, but Gethsemane means the place of the olive press. And uh, the way that olives were were used primarily was for the oil, uh, the olive oil, which was used in a number of different varieties. Uh, the, the fresh virgin olive oil that would not have any of the, the, uh, the particles of the husk or as it was crushed, little particles of the, the olive itself, but would rather just be the oil. The, the fresh olive oil was always used for God's service. It, was, it went to the temple. Regardless of where that oil was extracted, all around the nation of Israel, it was sent to the temple for temple use. And it's a, it's a great principle that the first ought to belong to the Lord. The best ought to belong to the Lord. And we see that in the olive. But as the olive press was pressured again and then again, there were three separate presses of the olive. It would be used for different purposes. It would be used for cooking. It would be used for lighting a lamp, uh, the olive uh, oil lamp. So it was used in 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 its full in, in its fullness. And so it is that Gethsemane was a place of pressure for Jesus. We see he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. He was under great emotional pressure as he faced the impending wrath of God upon sin, as he faced the horrible prospect of dying, the death of crucifixion. The pressure, no doubt, that Jesus felt that day as he was being pressured for you and for me. 
and he gave it all, just like the, the pressure of the olive was full until every ounce was extracted. So Jesus gave every ounce for you and me, broken and spilled out. So here in verse number 32, they came to that place named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. Interesting, the disciples had watched Jesus pray throughout his public ministry. So, so impressed were the disciples about the way that Jesus prayed that it's the only aspect of Jesus' ministry that we read about, at least, where they said, teach us to do this. Remember Luke chapter 11, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So whether that's Luke 11 or Matthew chapter number six, we find that Jesus is instructing his followers how to communicate with God. Remember the model prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on and so forth. The point is, so impressive was the prayer life of the Lord that the disciples said, would you please help us in that area? Now, obviously, everything that Jesus did was impressive. Everything he did was important, whether it was healing or preaching or teaching. But you never find in the Bible the disciples saying, teach us to heal or teach us to teach or teach us to preach. But we do find them saying, teach us to pray. And here, at the, the darkest moment in Jesus' life, the most pressured moment in Jesus' life, what do we find him doing? We find him getting apart, getting alone, going to God, receiving strength, as we shall see. And what a great template for you and me. I think often we face these huge impending situations in our life, and we do everything but pray. We try to manipulate sometimes or gather resources or get ourselves among others, get encouragement, counsel. All of those things have their place. But I wonder sometimes if the most important thing, the time alone with God thing, is something that we don't do. So we find Jesus going to this place of pressure, this place of respite, this place of quietude and privacy, and there praying. Look at verse number 33, where the Bible says, And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be uh, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And the, the idea there of being sore amazed means um, amazed in the sense of, of perplexed and troubled. Not amazed like we use the term amazing today, like, wow, that was really great. That's not what the word means here. To be troubled, to be heavy as under a burden or under pressure. Isn't that what we've been talking about? One of the common Greek words used in the New Testament for pressure is thlipsis, that, that, that pressure. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I feel like I'm, I'm pressed on every side. That's what the Apostle Paul said. It's pressure. And certainly the ministry and following God has its share of pressure. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we don't think it's strange when we are tried in these ways. So here's Jesus now under great pressure, troubled, heavy. Then the Bible says in verse number 
Well, again, I want to point out in verse 33 that he took with him. He left the eight in one place. Judas has already left to betray him. And now he takes the three. And who are the three? Well, Peter, James, and John. And we've seen that triad, haven't we? We've seen that same triad at the the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, that these ones in whom Jesus has especially invested. And now he takes them, no doubt to teach them a lesson. No doubt because they are his closest friends and comrades. They who can help him and encourage him and and pray for him and with him, as we shall see. Look at verse number 34 that actually quotes part of the prayer of the Lord uh, that night. And it says, and he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. So he speaks to them. This is not part of his prayer. I misspoke there, but this is his comment to them. Guys, I'm struggling. Transparently, Jesus is saying to his best friends, I feel like I could die this very moment. I feel like I could die from the the crushing weight of this pressure upon my life. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when he said, you know, we despaired even of life. He was writing from uh, Ephesus uh, to his beloved people in Corinth and saying, wow, things got so bad. We didn't know if we were going to make it. The pressures were so heavy that uh, we despaired even of life. That's what Jesus is saying here. And then it says, uh, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Can you stay awake? Can you watch with me? Can you uh, kind of be with me in this moment, guard? I don't need you, your counsel. I don't need fellowship. I don't need a conversation. I just need to know that you're awake with me. You're watching out. You're here with. You're understanding. You're sensing and feeling and sharing in this pressure. And so often that is the case in our own lives. Uh, People will say to me sometimes, well, pastor, so-and-so in my life is really going through it. I I don't know what to say. It's not really knowing what to say. It's being there. It's sharing in that moment. It's watching with them. Sometimes we call a, this is more Catholic tradition, but uh, sometimes we'll call the, a viewing for a funeral, we'll call it a wake. You know, like, it's like, we're going to be here together and we're going to keep watch together. We're going to keep vigil together. We're sharing in this sorrow, this experience together. Look at verse number 35. I love this verse and I've quoted it. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed. And here was his prayer, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. So Jesus said this to his disciples. Then he himself went a little bit farther. He fell on his face and prayed. But think about the the posture here of his prayer. He fell on his face in complete and utter abandon and even in a sense, helplessness to God to say, God, I am thrusting myself wholly upon your strength and your grace and your mercy and your will. And I'm praying from a human's perspective, 
Jesus was praying, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Let this hour pass. I, in, in, in my humanity, physically speaking, humanly speaking, who would want to embrace that kind of pressure or that kind of future? If there's any other way for this to be accomplished, please. Now, why would this be recorded in Scripture? I think for two reasons. Well, three. Number one, it happened. Number two, I think the fact that Jesus is saying, let this pass from me, shows us it's not wrong for us to express our desires to the Lord as long as we constrain them to God's will. My greatest desire, Lord, is to do your will. But within the scope of your will, Lord, if it's possible that, then let this pass. And that's what Jesus is uh, is praying. But then I think thirdly, the fact that Jesus asked this, and God delights to answer his prayers, the fact that Jesus asks this, but that he did indeed go forward and that his human desire of circumventing this was not granted shows us that there was no other way by which salvation could have been accomplished other than through this process of death and crucifixion and shedding of blood and then, of course, burial and resurrection. So it really speaks to how important this is as the only hope for us in salvation. Well, that's I've taken too much time, so we're going to quit there for today. Verse number 35, we'll come back to part of Jesus' prayer in verse number 36. Hope you'll join us for that. Until then, God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.